0: Welcome to the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast on all things identity crime and compromise. On today's episode, we are changing things up a bit. Let's consider this Fraudian Slip unscripted. And I'm going to take the opportunity to be your host and my co-host will be none other than our COO, James Lee. And today we're going to talk about the why. Why? why should you care about these issues that we're so passionate about? And why do we care? Why do we do this every day? And, and talk to all of our lovely listeners about these important, often technical aspects. Today, James, we're going to get a little touchy-feely. So uh, buckle up and let's have that conversation. Are you looking forward to it?
1: I can hardly wait. I am giddy (laughs) with anticipation.
0: You know, I do think it's important for us every once in a while, especially, again, we get very technical and we talk about a lot of the different aspects that identity crimes and compromise um, touch. And sometimes it's important to step back and think about your why. And, you know, and I can say very simply that I, I just feel so strongly that when it comes to our identity it intersects so many different facets of our lives and the vulnerabilities that folks have that they don't even know about can can just derail our progress and our plans and and that's why i think it's an imp- important issue and and again why we've spent i've spent decades talking about it but what about you my friend what's your why
1: <laughs> um that's a great question um, as, as, as you know, and any of our regular, uh, regular followers know, I am a bit of a geek, uh, always have been, you know, I, I grew up watching James Bond and, and the original <laughs> Batman and there, there, I have never met a gadget that I didn't like and I didn't want. And over time, you know, that turned those, 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 those technologies inevitably turned to, to data. They turned to information. And I was always fascinated about the connection between people and information, and how it can be used for good. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, whenever you whenever you get into that arena, you also very quickly learn that it can be used for bad. Mm-hmm. And so, in in my career, when when I worked for a company where we were a very much a data centric company, we sold data for, to for use in making decisions. And, and you saw many, many good things come from that, but you also saw the dark side of it. And so my passion today is to make sure that people, two things, make sure people have um, what I believe is a fundamental right. And that is to a free and unencumbered identity that is theirs and theirs alone. And that, that they can use that, uh, for their benefit without fear of someone else, you know, getting to their identity first. And the second thing is, um, for me is, is sort of the flip side of that coin. And that is making sure that people who do misuse information, that it is, is hard for them to do it. And it's painful when they get caught. Um, and, and that's, that, those things are very Im- important to me, that, that people have, have, have confidence that their identity is theirs and it's safe. And I think we, we, you, know, we you, know, you and I, are in the, I think, is an <laughs> enviable position of being able to help people do just that and also being able to help other people who are in a position of influence to understand the duty that they have to make sure that people's identities are safe.
0: I I agree with you. I mean, and, and I think, you know, you've, you've been with us for a couple of years now. I think you know how um, purposeful the, the sense of purpose that you get when you're, when you're talking with folks every day. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you're, your regular old consumer and, and the business leaders and really letting them know just how important this is. I love, I love, it's part of our strategic plan that, uh, you know, people have a fundamental right to an unencumbered identity. So well said. Um, I think we have so much more work to do in the area of just educating folks on what does that actually mean? Because I think there is, uh, there continues to be a lack of understanding of how intertwined all of these pieces are in our daily lives. And, uh, folks will, will discover that when they are a victim and they've had an issue, they will all of a sudden understand just how impactful, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, taking over of a social media account and having those, those credentials that, you know, uh, misused and then having the account out of their control and they see how it just, uh, touches other aspects of their life. And we've got a lot of work to do, my friend.
1: (laughs) Oh, no doubt. And, And you know, Oh, Oh, the directions we could take just on this one little point. Um, one of the things that I, I, I think is a risk, not to anyone's identity directly, but it's a general risk, and that is people getting numb to the risk of, mm-hmm. uh, of identity crimes to their own, that it'll impact them. You know, people have gotten so many data breach notices over mm-hmm. the years um, that we see the headlines. We see these massive numbers. There's a number that came out today because the, the FBI today released their annual uh, Internet crime report. So the IC3 report came out. 7 billion dollars in fraud that the FBI just the FBI and they're not they're not the lead agency on these these issues. So when the FBI says it cost 7 billion dollars last year to to businesses and consumers identity fraud did that that's a staggering number because that's just a piece of the of problem. the fraud Yep. Yeah, that, that's a, and it's not a very big piece of it, frankly, in, in, in large respects. So the risk of people seeing numbers like that, which are difficult to comprehend in the first place, the natural inclination people tend to have is they just throw up their hands and go, there's nothing I can do. And then they go about engaging in risky behavior. And that's, that's not the right approach we should have. We should have an approach of, of, of helping people understand the risks. Understand that they are manageable, still going to be there, still Mm -hmm. a risk, but we can, we can reduce that, the impact of that risk if we do some very basic things. And the the risks are, have gotten more complicated for those of us of a certain age. um, (laughs) You know, remember when the biggest risk was when somebody threw something in the trash can that they shouldn't. And, and that was that was the, probably the biggest risk you had because there was, there was you know your computer didn't have anything that was of value and nobody even thought about attacking your computer. They were more interested in what the pieces of paper on your desk were. To now where we voluntarily give away information every day on social media, even as adults, let alone younger people who don't even view privacy the same way that older Americans, and older meaning anybody over 40, uh, the way they view it. So we're in this very interesting time about what do we need to do to help people continue to view that this is theirs and they should claim it.
0: Well, and and don't you think, I also think there's a a balance that we have to strike here. Um, And this is one of the things that you know from all our conversations is very important to me is this this balance between um being crippled with fear and not engaging at all um you know versus making informed choices and decisions and knowing being able to calculate your risk you know what is my risk of this certain behavior or this this engagement and I think one of the most important things that we don't talk enough about is having a plan. You know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. I compare ITRC services to AAA. I know that sounds like a crazy comparison. It's like why it's roadside assistance. And part of it is that I do want people to understand because there's still a lot of shame that is involved with crime victimization. And particularly when you start talking about scams and fraud, what did you do? you fell for that. You believed that, you know, how did, how were you somehow a party to complicit? What, you know, what behavior did you engage in that, that led ultimately to your being victimized? And I, and I want us to step away from that uh, and and be very conscious of the fact that we shouldn't be ever shaming victims. And at the same time, I want people to have, to your point, confidence in, in our systems and be able to engage. There are a lot of good things that can come out of online and digital engagements. I know when my, my mother was convalescing from her surgery a couple of years ago, um, boy, she was active on Facebook, but it made her feel very, very connected when she otherwise was not. So there are really good, you know, use cases and legitimate uses out there. So I want people to think about having that plan because just like with AAA, if I'm driving and out on the road, I can't prevent a flat tire. I can drive safely, you know, watch the road. There are things that I can do to minimize my risk of it, but I can't necessarily prevent it. So when the worst does happen, I need to quickly know how to resolve it and where to go. And I do think that's a crucial role that ITRC needs to play. that just you know having a plan, and I think so few people think about that, and no. there wasn't a question there, right i well, I'm a terrible host. I told you guys it was unscripted
1: well, you're, yeah but you but you'd you'd make a great lawyer because you just you, you 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 lure someone in and you they they want to say something after that. <laughs> without ever asking the question you know, just, uh, that's
0: the investigator uh, training yeah, yeah,
1: the uh well and this is the, uh, the good thing and the bad thing about the both of us is you know you don't have to you don't have to do anything other than just tell us to talk and we can fill the time <laughs> uh, you don't
0: have to ask me a question in order to get it. me to talk
1: <laughs> Yeah, just topic and off we go um well, yeah, th- but th- those are those are all good points, and yeah, you know, I think what another thing that has has changed over time um, that makes this uh, addressing this issue more complicated is the line between an individual's identity and the line between a small business identity may not even exist anymore, uh, and it's certainly fuzzy. Um, where, uh, between you know gig workers, who maybe they're Uber drivers, maybe they have you know they they have an Etsy marketplace, maybe they have you know they sell things on on Facebook or some of the other social media, Instagram, um, where those identities, when they get compromised, and they're compromised frequently it it impacts their livelihood in ways that we haven't ever really had to deal with before.
0: Yeah, the and division now, I agree, the division between your your personal and your and business is it's been blurring for a long time, but when it comes to small business and and identity, you're right. It may not exist anymore. The line yeah. may be obliterated.
1: Yeah, the, so the, the the this concept of a solopreneur, you know, the, where you're the you are the you're the business owner, you're the chief cook and bottle washer. There's probably nobody but you or maybe you have one or two other employees and they're probably family members or friends. That becomes very that becomes a lot more difficult to separate out when there's a problem. But because there's money there, that means the bad guys are more interested in in that kind of a, that kind of an identity. Um, well,
0: and and even look at the the PPP loan fraud that we saw. Even you know the government had a platform, a process in place for you to get loans for your business, uh, even if you didn't have an EIN or you know you weren't incorporated or an LLC. The identifier is the Social Security number of that solopreneur, of that uh, you know whoever filed the the fictitious business name. statement Mm
1: -hmm. well and you know our (laughs) our advisors in our contact center who work with crime victims every day they're a little bit frustrated right now because it's just the sheer volume of in particular instagram Mm -hmm. um you know people who rely on instagram for um their income, whether it's all of their income or some part of their income, but they are influencers. And those people are being targeted. They're being targeted um, both for their individual, they're trying to get money from them individually, but then they're also replicating the scam across all of their contacts. That's not something we've dealt with uh, historically, at least at scale. Those kind of things always happened. You know, they, we used to call them, um, Oh what were they? the 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 chain letters you know we used to call oh, you had chain letters yeah. remember remember yes. those uh, yes. and and that that this is this is a modern take on something similar to a chain letter where you you know you get money from the first person and they give you the names of all the other people except now we've made it easy we've made it digital and it does you don't require um, the active participation the of, the of, the,
0: of the first person exactly. Yeah. that chain of victimization just just continues. And this is a great uh, place for a, a PSA. Um, anyone listening, please please, please don't share that multi-factor authentication code or OTP code, the one-time password. please don't share it. That is the activity that is the fuel for these account takeovers, folks are being talked into sharing those because whatever the reason is, it sounds so legitimate, but say it with me, James, there is no legitimate reason to ever share that OTP code with anyone. All right, back to our regularly scheduled programming. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, and and, and this is where, you know, the, the, this is this is also the, the point in the program where we should point out that, gosh, if you, if you listen to all this stuff, you know it would be real easy to be cynical, uh, and say I should just withdraw from society. That's not the answer either. No, the the answer is to just do some basic due diligence, and it's okay to tell people no. We don't always, you know, we're we're human beings by nature, and we don't like to make people uncomfortable. As, as as Americans, we are a very giving people. We like to help people. We mm-hmm. like to be engaging with, we're very social. We're a social country, we're social creatures. But it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, I'm not gonna share my passwords with you. I'm not gonna share my two-factor or multi-factor authentication, my one-time password. I'm not gonna give you that kind of information. And it's okay that when you see, you know, if you if you, if you you get that text that you didn't recognize, it's okay to ignore it.
0: Yep. It's okay it's to hang okay up to, the phone. Yeah. And say it's no. Okay <laughs> to,
1: yeah, it's okay to hang up the phone, you know, ignore the text, you know, delete the email, all those things. It's easy to, the reflex is just, oh, let me click on that. Just, just yeah, take a deep breath. Count to 10, whatever it is, that you, what do you to do to recenter yourself? And then contact the people who, if it's legitimate, contact them yourself and confirm that that text, that email, that phone call, that whatever it is you got is real.
0: You know, adding to that, because I agree with everything that you said about a, a, us being uh, social and helpful. Yeah, you know, we don't want to be rude, and we are a, a helpful people. We, we like to do those things, but I also think we have this unique blend of wanting to be helpful. And then we have this, uh, American hubris. Uh, I am, I would never fall for a scam. I'm, I'm smarter than that. I am not, I'm not vulnerable to social engineering. Someone can't talk me into doing something I don't want to do. I'm not that weak. And I think when, We fail to admit to ourselves that everyone is, is vulnerable to the, the messaging that we get, um, you know, even advertising, look, these things work. There's, there's billions of dollars invested into seeing what makes us tick and what's going to resonate with us. And so we are vulnerable to those things. We are influenced by the messages that are put out there and we have to acknowledge that. So I think walking that, that balance between um, acknowledging that anyone can become the victim of a scam or an identity crime or, or even get talked into sharing something that they should, that they really shouldn't in hindsight, realize they shouldn't have shared at the same time, to your point, there are things that we can do, that little bit of due diligence, that being a little bit more thoughtful about how we can engage. So it's, it's finding the balance of acknowledging that the vulnerability exists and you're not immune to it, but also acknowledging that there are some things that I can do to minimize my risk. And, you know, here they are. Here are the things that I'm going to do. And uh, now we've solved the world's problems. So let's just go out and do that.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I'm all for it. <laughs>
0: Well, I think we have covered the why, and uh, again, dear listeners, I know this was a little bit of a different format, and we have digressed, Uh, but every once in a while, I may ambush James and do this, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe once a year, and we'll have these conversations about some of the, the deeper and less technical issues, because I think they're important and have a role to play as well.
1: Thanks, Eva. If you think you've been the victim of an identity crime or want to avoid becoming a victim, you can speak with an ITRC expert advisor on the phone. You can chat with us live on the web or send us an email during our normal business hours. Just visit us at our new website at our old web address, idtheftcenter.org, to get started. Be sure to join us next week for our sister podcast, The Weekly Breach Breakdown. Until then, thanks for listening.